Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, yo, it's the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hey, y'all. This is a show where on each episode, Ashley and I, we talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, and then we break it down whether we thought it was good or bad and whether or not it would make for a good date movie. And on this episode, we are talking about Jurassic World Dominion. This is the sixth and supposedly final entry. It in the- should be the final call. One can pray. Mm. Yeah, a long-running Jurassic Park saga. Uh, I mean, it's been going on for uh, nearly 30 years. Started back in 1993. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, and you know, before we actually dig into Jurassic World Dominion, I want to spend a few moments just kind of recapping this franchise because there's been, I would say, a sizable drop in quality after the first film. And in a lot of ways, the first Jurassic Park, it's kind of one of the defining films of the 90s. I would say. I know my brother was big into Jurassic Park. He read the books. I think you did too. I think it was more geared towards the male sex. Well, little boys love dinosaurs. Yeah. I I think it's as simple as that. I mean, I'm sure girls girls love dinosaurs. I wasn't wasn't pressed to go see this movie. I mean, we weren't theaters. You didn't see it in in theaters. We did not see it in theaters. So you caught up with it on- I started going to the theaters really was in high school. Sure. Maybe, Maybe middle school, high school time frame. So- this was past. I saw it on TV, like you know, aired on TV a whole bunch. I think I did. I think I saw it on TV. But I guess you don't have like a specific like first impression of the film. I, I don't remember it. But you're a fan of uh, the first one, sure. But as as a kid, I didn't care about it. Like it wasn't. It was. I mean, I wasn't big into dinosaurs. But do you find that it holds up when you go back to it? Sure. Well, for me, yeah, my memory of seeing Jurassic Park in a theater. I was 10 years old, and it's a movie-going memory that I'll always cherish because it blew my mind. Because up to that point, I hadn't experienced, like, sheer edge-of-my-seat terror in a theater like that. And, like, when the T-Rex gets out of its cage and it starts terrorizing the kids, specifically, it's, like, terrorizing the kids in the car. For me, it was exhilarating how scary it was. And it wasn't like, you know, Mommy, take me home. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm having a whole hell of a lot of fun. Being on the edge of my seat, like holding my breath. Yeah. You know, after the movie, I, I read the novel and I remember going back to the theater multiple times while it was still playing. I mean, I really had dino fever that summer. It was like a little 10 year old pappy. And it, uh, to this day, it remains one of my all time favorites. Uh, I think it's one of Spielberg's very best. And- well, it, I mean, Spielberg was known for the puppetry, right? Like, I mean, Jaws, it was all big, like, robotic puppet, right? Computer effects hadn't been used no. like this up to that point. I mean, you had Terminator 2, yeah. which was experimenting with kind of like the, the liquid metal effect. Yeah. But doing, like, photo real creatures yeah. and mixed with live action work had not been done on this level before. And Jurassic Park, you know, based on the best-selling novel, of course – Kind of like a perfect property 
to test out this emerging technology. You know, like it requires dinosaurs to look real. Yeah. And computers were kind of just getting there. But yeah, that first movie, it is just, it's so perfectly constructed because you've got great characters who are played by great actors and a story that proposes a simple what if premise. Like what if dinosaurs and humans coexisted, right? Like how would that go? And then it resoundingly answers that question. It would be a nightmare. It would be a terror shit show. (laughs) People would die. Well, but I mean, I I would say yes. But at the end of the day, the whole point of Dominion was that dinosaurs and humans can coexist. Well, yeah, we keep kind of stretching this premise out. But I feel like the first one, just in and of itself, asked the question and then answered it convincingly. Everyone dies. Everyone's running in terror. Like the dinosaurs win in the first one, I would say. I mean, T-Rex is roaring. People are running in terror. Like, humans didn't win that round. I mean, you you are right. You're 100% right. That's what the movie's saying. Like, yeah, man would be no match for these bees. My question is, like, why create the apex predator? They don't have respect for it. Yeah. They think that they have the power over it. Yeah. But again, the whole point of the movie is you don't have the power. These animals who, who go back millions of years... They have the power. They still have the upper hand. Well, they got millions of years worth of instincts. Exactly. Yeah, that's a line in the movie. That humans just don't understand because we weren't there. Like, there's no notes. Like, we can only understand dinosaurs so much. The the real villain of the story is Richard Attenborough, Dr. Hammond. Yes. For being foolish enough to think that he could control this kind of power. But again, it's a testament to that movie. He's played by, you know, kindly British Richard Attenborough. You still kind of love him. You, you, he's yeah. he's a sip. Like, when he's talking about the flea circus. Yeah. There's still a, an empathy for him, even though what he did was horrible. <laughs> Inviting his grandkids along. I mean, think this shit through, my man. But I, I mean, I love it. It's just, it's so perfect. And I mean, the casting, like, beyond the effects, you've got the casting, like, beyond the main trio, which is really well cast. You've got supporting actors like Wayne Knight, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. It's just, and, yeah, and they're all, yeah. they're given iconic line readings. I mean, uh, everyone well, can remember like Richard Attenborough's like, welcome to Jurassic Park. Like these, these deliveries. Well, and, and, and Sam, Samuel L. Jackson, hold on to hold your on butts. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> like me saying that, not that cool. Sam Jackson saying it, it's it's an ace delivery. <laughs> With, like, I think, a cigar in his mouth. Or He's like, constantly yeah. smoking. Yeah. yeah, there's always a cigarette just lit in his mouth. One it's- of the things that I, I read later, because Laura Dern and Sam Neill, they're supposed to be love interests in the first film, and she's 23 years old, and he's <laughs> 45? Sam Neill was 45 when he... Yeah, like there was a 20-year age gap. Between the two characters. That means he's in his 70s now. The man's looking good. man's looking great. He's in good form. Looking back on it, I don't think it would fly casting-wise these days. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, But yeah, I mean, those actors, I mean, they were great in the original. That's one of the key appeals of this new one uh, is that they do bring back the original trio. And not just bring them back. I mean, they were main they're significant, characters. Yeah. They're significant characters, although I would argue they don't have a whole lot to do uh, in this film. I mean, they're like a major presence, but I don't yeah. think they're well used. But we'll get into that. But uh, but yeah, let's, I guess, move on to the sequels, which you know, brings us to The Lost World. Spielberg, he came back in the director's chair for that one. And you know, I should say that for me personally, there's really only one sequel scenario that makes logical sense. If you're going to continue the story, because at the end of Jurassic Park, 
The dinosaurs are out of the cages, while the humans escape the island by helicopter. So it's conceivable, if you really need to go further, it's conceivable that sometime maybe in the future, dinosaurs could somehow make their way from the island to the mainland through however, whatever means. You, you find some reason to explain that. Now dinosaurs are on the mainland. And then we'd have scenes of like dino chaos in mundane settings like quiet neighborhoods, shopping malls. Oh my God, you're talking like, metro a, centers. like a King Kong or like a Godzilla type scenario. That's the only scenario that makes sense. It's because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to keep bringing characters back to the island, especially characters who have been there. Yeah. It makes no sense. And Spielberg kind of half-assedly gave us this scenario at the end of The Lost World when a T-Rex rampages through San Francisco, but he played it mostly for laughs, like a Godzilla homage, and it's treated kind of like an afterthought. And the bulk of The Lost World, it's Jeff Goldblum going back, going to Site B. (laughs) There's a Site B where there's other dinosaurs, and he's trying to track down his girlfriend, played by Julianne Moore, who's just there to photograph dinosaurs, and Vince Vaughn is in the mix. He's doing something, and there's a rival group of dino hunters that are trying to capture these animals and maybe bring them back to create a new part. <laughs> it's a whole lot of poorly motivated nonsense. And <laughs> I, we were talking before, I think your memory of this one is pretty hazy. It, it is really, <laughs> really hazy. I know I've, I've seen it. I revisited I just, all of them in the run up. Patrick, I think when we were dating, like you made me watch these movies or sure. like, <laughs> Uh, you made me watch. Sounds these, like something I do. You made me watch these movies. World. You make it sound like I like held a gun to your head. I think I mean, you were you down. Kind of I think you were down to watch them. Uh, you kind of do sometimes. No, but you don't really remember the Lost World that much. I really don't. No, I'll tell you. As a kid, I was hyped as hell for it, and I even tricked myself into thinking that it was awesome after I saw it. But it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you rewatch it today. It's. <laughs> I need to go back to it. I should. It's not great. I need to go back to it. Well, I, maybe not. I don't. I don't think you do. Yeah. Okay. The third one I, I remember. The third one, Jurassic Park three. You do remember that one? I do remember the third one. That came out the in two thousand one. Yeah. There's like a kid. He's parasailing with his dad, and they have some kind of accident, and the kid is stranded on this Jurassic Island, <laughs> and then Sam Neill has to lead this expedition to get the kid back. Uh, the kid's parents are Tay Leone and William H Macy. And it's like a 90-minute chase movie uh, with terrible characters. Well, there you go. But it's the shortest. Yeah. So, because this new one we're going to talk about. It's two and a half hours long. Keep, keep these things short, for the, for the love of God. <laughs> Please, keep it short. And then with Jurassic World, I mean, Chris Pratt is one thing. I do not like Bryce Howard, whatever her <laughs> name is. Dallas Bryce Howard. Bryce Dallas. Bryce Dallas Howard. There there it is. I am not a fan of hers at all. Well, she's directed some episodes, I believe, of The Mandalorian that have been well-received. So she might be a better director than an actor. Like her pops. Like her dad. That might be the case. And and if that's the case, then, I mean, Mandalorian is a great show. I'll, I'll say this. I've seen Bryce Dallas Howard be good in some things. Jurassic not. World is is not it. No, she she is not. I I think she's just like phoning it in, honestly. And the chemistry between her and Chris Pratt is awful. 
Well, and let's, I mean, let's just talk about Jurassic World. It came out in 2015 and it was directed and co-written by Colin Trevorrow, who was kind of the creative architect of this new trilogy of Jurassic World movies. The general conceit here is that the park is now open for business, right? And Hammond's dream from the first, it's been willed into reality. It's a reality at this point, yeah. But that's not all that's going on. Because we're also creating giant mutant dinosaurs in a facility just a mile or two away from an open theme park. And we're also training raptors to serve in the military. Like Those are things that are happening. They've put a lot of things in there. They, they, re- they that... really loaded it up with dumb. Oh, yeah. Like... And, that's, and that's my thing with Jurassic World. Like It got good reviews. It got an A cinema score. It made a, over a billion and a half dollars. <laughs> Uh, it sold almost as many tickets as the first Jurassic Park. You know, Jurassic World wasn't bad. It wasn't awful. Like I, I'm going to argue. I think it is bad. I, I think it's I, quite bad. And this last trilogy was probably the best one. Jurassic, You're saying the first Jurassic Jura- World. The first Jurassic World. Is the best of this is, current trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's saying something. Uh, it's, it's better than Dominion, I, I guess. And, you know, like I have, you know, I didn't want to really do this podcast, I'll be honest with you, because... <laughs> I didn't want to dog all over these movies. I just, I, I don't really like dogging. I don't on, either. On we don't go a, to the movies to shit on it. No. But we do this podcast to just talk honestly yeah. about how we reacted to something. I, I have a certain expectation in the movie theaters that it, it is a an event. And I hold my movies to a certain standard. And I think a lot of people do. I, I mean, for a lot, a lot of people going to a movie, it's like going to church. I, yeah. I mean, it's you take it seriously and you want to see what you want to see. And, you know, you feel what you feel. And it's it's a very subjective experience. So, yeah, I, I totally understand that. So you're saying you have high expectations when you go in. I have high expectations. And so when these movies are crappy. Which is often. I mean, and, and especially the Jurassic World series. It's just heavy CGI. I just, I wish we would stop doing so many computer generated films right now because a lot of actors don't know how to act in a green screen. <laughs> There's some dodgy acting. Yeah. So, I mean, in this film, the Marvel movies get it right. The Marvel movies at least get their characters right. They do. And they give you, because they get the characters right, that gives you a reason to care about what you're seeing. Uh, I mean, again, the first movie gave you a host of characters to care about that yeah. felt real that were intelligent these are doctors these are people at the top of their field these are characters worth watching and who are interesting and who make you feel what they're feeling maybe if there was a progression and and maybe them coming back and and two because there's or something. no i don't know there's no natural story to keep going i mean the scenario that i laid out with like a t-rex you know stomping through a shopping mall <laughs> and just dino chaos million budget, hard R rating, 100 minutes long. Let's do it. But no, we have to just keep, we have to keep adding human villains to motivate these stories. And that's what I don't understand. Like in a story where you have all these dinosaurs, why do we, why are we going out of our way to set up human villains? Because just have people running from dinosaurs. Humans technically are the apex predator. We are. But we establish in the first Jurassic Park that humans ain't got shit on these dinos. Okay, Muldoon, in the first movie, he gets flanked by two raptors. He's done. <laughs> and he's top, of, he's top of his game. So again, we established in the first Jurassic Park, so just have dinos running amok. And, you know, one set piece after another of people escaping, narrowly escaping, getting chewed up. Loving it, right? Getting 
eat, minimal eat, characters. Eat ten, ten, ten speaking roles, that max. All Dino Chaos. Just call it Dino Rampage. It sounds like a good video game. I mean, it sounds like a fucking movie <laughs> that you're going to eat some popcorn to. Okay, so yeah, Jurassic World, critics praise it as like, it's dumb fun. For me, it is too dumb for me to actually have fun with it. And you, I, I, I watch so many dumb movies. I was watching Twister the other day. That's a dumbass flick. Oh, but it's so good. I can have some fun with it, though. Uh, I, I mean, a, a dumb fun movie is balancing the dumb with other elements that make it fun. And these Jurassic Park movies but I, I, aren't doing it. I feel like Jurassic World and the first Jurassic movie are very similar. You have the two kids going into the park. Mayhem. Yes, Jurassic World is yeah. built off of the fumes of uh, nostalgia. Yeah. That's all it is. It's very cynically constructed. Uh, it's lazily put together. I, I, there's no tension. But it's it's a little better than Dominion. Yeah. <laughs> Oh it's watchable. I'll say that, but I don't enjoy it when I watch it. Um, let's talk about Fallen Kingdom real quick. That's the one leading up into this. That one, it came out three years after Jurassic World, and it's directed by J.A. Bayona. So we have a different director in the chair for that one. I don't actually say Fallen Kingdom at least looks better than these Colin Trevorrow films. There's actual memorable images in Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, I mean... The, the volcano going off. Yeah. There's some atmosphere. The like, yeah. J.A. Bayona is is doing his best behind the camera. He still has a shit screenplay. And that movie definitely gets into some dinosaur auctions. Yeah. Why are we doing dinosaur auctions? And it gets into human cloning. Human geneticism. We are introduced to Maisie Lockwood yeah. in that film, and she is a clone of her deceased mother. Yeah. Some people think it's interesting. Like, well, in a world where you can clone dinosaurs, I guess you can clone humans. I mean, I guess, man, but this is a series about dinosaurs. So well, let's they, focus they, on they the dinosaurs. Use the genetics, specifically of the Velociraptor. <laughs> It's too it's too dumb yeah. to even to even say out loud. Right. Like I I feel ridiculous. I do too. When we when stuff. we when we get into Dominion, like some like. of some of the plot points are astoundingly stupid. But at the end of Fallen Kingdom, Maisie, she releases the dinosaurs from the Lockwood estate into the wild. Yeah. Which presumably sets the stage for a follow-up and where dinosaurs are finally running amok. On the mainland, which is what I've been talking about. Yeah. Dinos and shopping malls. Well, she she releases all of the dinosaurs that were in their cages. Right. We're auctioning yeah. dinos off into the black market. We get to see the black market and Dominion because, of course, there will be a dinosaur black market. Because. I mean, what the fuck are we talking about in these movies? Why are there dino auctions? Why is there a dino black market? Uh, but yeah, she releases the dinos, and I remember she has a line like, they're alive like me. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's some terrible line like that. And off they go into the wild. So yeah, uh, presumably in Dominion, we're going to see dinos running amok on the mainland, but that is not quite what we get with Jurassic World Dominion. Why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we will get into Jurassic World Dominion.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are back, and now we're going to dig into Jurassic World Dominion. This movie, it has a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, good. (laughs) That makes it the worst reviewed of the Jurassic Parks. But, you know, ticket buyers seem to be just fine with it. They gave it an A-minus cinema score, and it had a bigger three-day opening than Top Gun Maverick. Really? Top Gun was fabulous. it's families that are fueling this because it was clearly made exclusively for eight to 12 year olds. Uh, though the nostalgia it's pandering to is from 30 to 40 year olds. Yeah. So, I mean, go figure, but uh, yeah, we're There's going to be some spoilers here because the marketing hasn't really even touched on the actual plot of this movie. The marketing's kind of just been like dinosaurs are back. The original cast is back. Give us your money. That's kind of in the pitch. Yeah, it is kind of the pitch, yeah. So even just discussing the basic plot is something of a spoiler. But broadly speaking, this movie is about mutant locusts that are being genetically engineered by the Biosyn Corporation to control the Earth's food supply. There you have it. That's the plot. Uh, With dinosaurs running them up. <laughs> <laughs> There really isn't even a lead character in this movie. It's kind of like an ensemble film, like, like a Robert Altman film, but with dinosaurs and if all the characters are terrible. Oh, oh my God. Because Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, they're doing supporting work here, right? Like they, really they were the leads, but now they're supporting. I mean, thank God, because they have no chemistry. <laughs> they're, they're supposed to be a couple, and they, they've taken this girl, Maisie, into hiding. Because- I forgot. I forgot that there are a couple at the beginning of this. Yeah. Because in the previous films, it's kind of like, will they or won't they? But here at the top of this, they are officially together. Yeah. I mean, they, they live in together. They, they are raising this child who is off the grid. Um, I guess they adopted Maisie. I guess that happened in between movies. Yeah. They, they adopted her. Along with her ha- developing British accent. Well, she's a clone. <laughs> she wasn't that British in Fallen Kingdom. You know. Her British accent got way more pronounced in between movies. Just saying. Whatever. But Biosyn is run by Lewis Dodgson, who's played here by Campbell Scott. And the name Dodgson will probably ring a bell with hardcore Jurassic nerds because he is the guy in the original Jurassic Park who is buying embryos from Wayne Knight. Dodgson. Dodgson. We've got Dodgson here. See, nobody cares. Yeah. And it's kind of another testament to the original movie 
that a short little expository scene yeah, can spurn has become so memorable yeah. and kind of iconic due to the writing and the performances and just Wayne Knight squealing with glee and that scene. <laughs> Do you remember this? Like yeah. when he when he sees the barber saw, he's just fragmentalized. Yeah. <laughs> you got so that's great. Uh, so yeah, but Dodgson, he's running Biosyn, and Biosyn wants Maisie, the clone girl. Yep. For reasons. That For, can get well, revealed. I guess so. Biosyn ultimately they want to own the food supply, the wheat, the grains, you know, all of these things, and they're building. Their locusts and, are going after rival food supplies, right? And leaving the Biosyn food supplies. Yeah, alone. but they're also taking the dinosaur because they've got dinosaurs in their their park or whatever their their little island. I guess you could say. To create vaccines, to create medicines. They want to examine dinosaurs for their pharmaceutical purposes. So Sure. And 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 Maisie was the first one that it was done with dinosaur DNA. And so (laughs) they wanted to test her, test her blood, you know, make her a lab rat. Because technically she doesn't exist. Technically she is This plot. I know. And so they don't treat her like a human. But we find out that she's kind of the key to fixing this locust problem at the end because Dr. Wu wants to do like research and experiments on her. What? One point he's like, I just want to examine you for a little bit. But this Dotson character, it's like, didn't really give a shit about anything else but Biosyn. But he comes off as this like... I don't know. Like, like he cares. Like he cares. And right. he's, but he's very he's, awkward. There are a couple of scenes where he's very awkward. But so, yeah, uh, you know, at the start of the film, like we said, Maisie, she is uh, she's basically the adopted daughter of Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. And we also find out in these early scenes that Blue, a.k.a. the lovable raptor who can be trained like a puppy, has had a baby, which they nicknamed Beta. Yeah, all on her own. So pretty much she can reproduce all on her own. Uh, So now we have two cute raptors that are like two little adorable Funko Pop puppy dogs. (laughs) That that live close to the Pratt family. Uh, So yeah, we introduce Dr. Ellie Sattler, who's played, of course, by Laura Dern. And she's investigating these locust swarms. And she begins to suspect Biosyn is behind it. And so then she recruits Alan Grant for some reason. She does. She... She needs somebody that she can trust to get into the locust den, if you will. Sure. Well, I mean, we need them both. So I, I mean, they <laughs> can't have one without the you other. You know what? They they brought. So if they did, if they weren't in this movie, this movie would have been even unwatchable. Worse. It would have been so because I worse. was struggling for the first twenty minutes. I'm like, oh gosh, there's like this is the, the, this is not great. <laughs> this is the original cast really. It helps helped this movie undoubtedly they were the best things in this movie and i i just yeah undoubtedly um, everybody else sucked well because I, I i mean they've they've had three movies now to develop their characters and it hasn't worked it has not worked so uh i mean there you go but and um, i'm a big chris pratt fan and this is not his his forte yeah He's he's he doesn't have a character to play. Yeah. So and then we find out that Jeff Goldblum is actually for some reason giving lectures at Biosyn, which makes no sense. Yeah. I I mean everything we know of his character from the first and second film would indicate that he would never do something like this. 
So uh, he's he's just taking a paycheck is how he explains it. I think so. Yeah, he's that's got- that's a terrible character turn. <laughs> Him giving lectures for a company he doesn't agree with in the middle but, of nowhere. I, I think I think the sinister plot behind it was he took this job to get access. Obviously, the Does paycheck is that? nice, but that's the insinuation. Yes, and I think the original guy that was walking them around the Biosyn plantation or whatever. I think he's the one that hooked up with Jeff Goldblum and told him about the locust problem, which Jeff Goldblum came in and went undercover, kind of, sort of. Grant and Sattler, they have some inside help. They do. As far as investigating these locusts at Biosyn. In the the meantime, uh, Maisie and Beta, they get kidnapped and taken to a, a dinosaur black market in Malta. Yep. And um, <laughs> and then this leads to a big noisy chase scene through the streets that seems deliberately cribbed from a Bourne movie. Yeah, very much like a Bourne movie. And at at one point, directly ripping off a shot from a Bourne movie. And there's a shot in Bourne Ultimatum where Matt Damon jumps out of a building and into the open window of another building, and the camera follows him in midair. And we repeat that shot with a raptor. <laughs> Gotta have a raptor instead of I mean, a human. It, what what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? So yeah, I mean, if that sounds cool to you, then uh, yeah, by all means, line up. And so the second half of this movie, it basically shifts to the Biosyn's remote headquarters, which are located in the Italian mountain range. Uh, it's it's in like the Italian mountains. Yeah, they they call it like a safe haven for all the dinosaurs. They get a ride from this pilot, and like I think like the the ship the plane goes down in midair or something. Like pterodactyls take it down, and they well they they figure it out because the. Blonde chick in Malta, the one that said that Biosyn was in charge of kidnapping the daughter. Yeah, so there's <laughs> another character that gets introduced who's a who is a pilot who sees the daughter get kidnapped, and she's a real firecracker. And she's a firecracker. She's a little <laughs> pistol. Love it. I mean, love these characters. Love them. Can I just say one thing? I mean, we can just stop talking about this plot. I uh, seriously. <laughs> It, there's just so much. I mean, you know, it all leads to a big dumb dinosaur fight. They they created this apex predator, one that is you know a little scarier than the T Rex. <laughs> and this one's called Gigantosaurus. Is that what it's called? That's what they actually call it. I yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> like in the sanctuary is you know these two dinosaurs are fighting over food. And then that comes to a big scene at the end. There's this other dinosaur that has claws that are like Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, that dinosaur is kind of cool. And so, yeah, there's a halfway decent scene where this dinosaur, like no dialogue. Uh, it's like stalking Bryce Dallas Howard and she has to like get down into like a pond. Yeah. To evade it. Yeah. And there's a little bit of tension there. I mean, that, that's one thing that's really missing from all of these sequels is just tension. Just like the the tension of... You know, you see the pond, and then you see it shake. That is like, that's, whoa. It's that's like, a, you, something's yeah. coming. Direct example of Spielberg's yeah. mastery of tension. And he is just all over that first movie, just making it as intense as it can be when it needs to be. And even Spielberg himself loses that in the sequel, because the mm-hmm. sequel does not have hardly any tension at all. Many scenes are just played for laughs. 
So, yeah, there's this – it sets up this big three-way dinosaur fight between a T-Rex, the Gigantosaurus, and the Edward Scissorhands-looking dinosaur. And this has the potential to be a pretty epic smackdown. But it really wasn't. You don't see it. It lasts for five seconds because the T-Rex just pushes the Gigantosaurus into the claws of the Scissorhands, impaling it the end. Yeah. Five seconds long. You I mean, how about a couple of like nips? I know, right? Like you see, you mostly see the people trying to get into the helicopter. Can I get a thirty-second SmackDown? Yeah. Instead of five? Yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, compare that to like what Peter Jackson was doing in King Kong. Like when King Kong and the three T Rexes throw down, that scene goes on for like five to eight minutes, <laughs> and they're like scrapping off cliffs. The scene keeps changing locations, and. It's a challenge for a filmmaker to make a big scale sustained set piece. But like, that's the fucking job, man. So in no way am I getting what I want from these movies is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree. And I haven't been getting what I've wanted for a long, long time. And um, we need to stop watching these things so they can stop making them. Put dinosaurs in another property. Yeah. Stop this fucking Jurassic nonsense narrative. That's there's nothing left. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, everybody is safe. They get the girl. They get their daughter. <laughs> they save Blue's daughter, Beta. Um, you know, take Beta back to Blue. It's like the dinosaurs and regular animals like horses, ducks, pelicans, whatever, and, and pterodactyls. <laughs> They're all living together, and they're all like okay, we get a montage coinciding. Of, yeah, there's I mean, there's a dumb shot with like horses yeah. running with like you know like magic hour. It looks yeah. like a fucking Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, like like what? the the Budweiser Clydesdales. <laughs> Like there's again, there's no atmosphere. There's no tension. So I mean that that's pretty much the movie. Um, <laughs> Don't see it unless you're ten. But, but honestly, unless you're ten. Okay, uh, uh, what what do you rate the? What do you rate it? I'm going to give this a D plus. Yeah, I'll be on. The, I'll be on the same because. <laughs> well, maybe I'll give it a D because I like the the three characters. Oh, I see. C, C minus. You're going to go C. Okay. I I'm going to go C minus because I, of the three main characters coming back. They really made the movie. If they weren't there, then I would have given it a D minus. I was thinking the same thing you were. Like the legacy characters, you know, Sam, seeing Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum together again. That made it feel like mm-hmm. better than absolute shit. But then the more I thought about it and just all the missed opportunities. They they really did have missed opportunities with... with, with and all yeah. of the stupid shit that we keep adding on to these movies. I, I mean, maybe I don't have like a cutting edge imagination like Colin Trevorrow. Because I really... When I think of like dinosaurs running amok with humans, I just... I think of carnage and spectacle... And terror and tension. I don't think about like, "Mm, what if we also cloned humans? And what if we genetically engineered locusts? Like, I don't give a shit. There's dinosaurs. Let's focus on that. Calm down. So, um, good, good day flick. Um, oh, wow. You got to think about it. Yeah, because I'm actually... Remember, it's two and a half hours long. I know, but I'm actually thinking, yes, it is, it is a good date movie. You and I did not walk out of this happy. I, I'm not saying... I, I'm just saying like... <laughs> for normal people. <laughs> for normal people. It's a good... I, I think it could be... It, it's an okay date movie. I'm going to say not on your life, but 10-year-olds, 8 to 12-year-olds, absolutely run out and see it. Have a blast.
See, see, the there's thing, nothing here for adults. So the thing is, is like the original Jurassic Park was so scary. These new movies are not scary. Again, there's no tension. Yeah, and it's yeah that tension, which was so critical and vital to the first movie's success, along with intelligent characters. Yeah. that we respect and are intrigued by. Agreed. It's it's just it's just all gone from these sequels, and I wanted to stop. And I guess I guess that's that's it. And more stop. I'm, I'm praying that's it. <laughs> and that is Jurassic World Dominion, directed by Colin Trevorrow. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where you can rate and review. Don't forget to check out our feature film, Tiny Dancers, which is streaming right now on Prime Video. We are on Twitter at DN Movie Podcast, and you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. See ya.